0: This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music.
1: Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast, Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer Jonathan Ginger Hamilton. Hailing from Southeast London, born into the church and coming into a gospel background is where Ginger developed his passion for music. He began to build a name for himself in the gospel industry, holding down the rhythm for top artists from the age of 14. He made his debut into the mainstream pop music scene at the age of 18 and has since then has become one of the most sought-after musicians of this time. Since 2020, Jonathan and his wife call Nashville, Tennessee their home. And also since 2017, Jonathan has been the drummer for Sam Smith. Previous artists he's worked with include Westlife, Leona Lewis, Jesse J., Olly Murs, JLS, and Boy George. If you want to support the podcast, you can join our Patreon page at patreon.com slash working drummer. For as little as a dollar a month, you can have access to all our educational content in recent weeks we've been adding quite a bit of content that includes a video from former guests like Bruce Becker he did a video just for us we also have a video from former guest Brian Zack where he goes into how to improve your ride swing patterns and recent guest Mike Malone has five transcriptions of some amazing drummers and classic performances that he has made accessible to our patreon members If Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through PayPal. You can find that link on our website at WorkingDrummer.net. So I had a chance to meet John about a year ago at the Music City Drum Show here in Nashville. It was one of those chance meetings at a drummer hang. Uh, I was able to meet for the first time. He and Des Davis, and Des has been a previous guest on this show. And it was just a reminder of how approachable people are when you're just curious to know, hey, who are you? What are you up to? What's what's going on? And it kind of personified what this podcast is all about. So in many ways, if I guess if I didn't have this podcast, it's what I would be doing. Um, but I maybe I'm too much of an introvert to actually do that. So I feel like it's a wonderful opportunity to invite people on the show, get to know them, to kind of, you know, appease my curiosity and I'm so glad I did Uh, not only was uh, hanging with Des and talking with him a a great time but also getting to know John and what he's up to and just the fascinating background that he has going from gospel into pop and all the things that he's doing and coming from London and now to the United States is really fascinating for me as well that people are, are you know migrating The city where I've been for over 20 years, but I really enjoyed talking with him. Um, I'm looking forward to keeping in touch with him, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Ginger Hamilton.
0: whether we like to think of it or not, we are the athletes of the band. You know, we are oh, yeah. literally, we're burning as much calories as a football player or a soccer player um, in a 90-minute show. We're burning as much calories um, and we're exerting as much energy. And, like, this this movement is a lot on our shoulders. Um, you know, being on a kick pedal, it activates our hips. And, like we heard at the, um, the clinic all the different muscles and joints that are activated when we play, um, it's, it's a lot more than our other bandmates um, yeah. have to deal with. So I think if there are things in place from a young age, like you're saying, if we can get their younger drummers while they're learning how to play drums, they're learning how to take care of their bodies at the same time. Oh my and, gosh, yes. You know, this this could like be groundbreaking in terms of how... Um, drummers are coming up and being able to manage their bodies and create um, even more longevity for their careers.
1: Right. So if if we're starting the podcast, if we're starting this interview at close to this point, yeah. um, you and I uh, were at the same clinic here in Nashville with the Fine Tune Clinic, which is uh, a couple chiropractors that we had on the podcast uh, yeah. last month. Uh, Cheyenne, Dr. Cheyenne, and Dr. Charlie. And, um, have, it's been just, a, been a, an amazing journey to kind of get into the weeds with these types of ailments that drummers deal with, whether we're talking to Dave Elitch or these guys at Fine Tune Clinic or, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's been a great kind of topic, uh, especially as we get further and further away from 2020, we were not talking about the pandemic anymore. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We moved on to bigger and better things.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, so you mentioned something about 2019, an injury. Could you talk about that?
0: Um, yeah, I was on tour. I just finished um, a two-year tour with Sam Smith um, on their "The thrill of It All" tour, and I literally went straight into another tour with an Irish boy band called Westlife. And um, obviously, I was putting a lot of work and strain on my body, and not really taking the best care of myself. Um, admittedly as I should have um, I mean by the end of the Sam tour I was working out a lot but I kind of stopped going into this uh, West Lab tour because it was just a lot and I maybe should have kept on working out and conditioning my body to handle the workload but um, I was tired and I just wasn't really looking after myself like the way I should have but um half about maybe three quarters into the tour, my forearms really started tightening up and um I was ex- experiencing real tightness and muscles cramps in my forearms. And um like there was a show where I was literally playing and my hands started opening up. But like, I couldn't really couldn't grip the sticks and this is live on stage. So of course my you know, you get anxiety when stuff like that happens and it affects you even more. Yes. So um, it's it's kind of been a um, an injury that I've been trying to get to the root of, and I feel like I'm getting to the root of. Um, I feel like it stems from my neck um, and the nerves running down into my forearm. So um, yeah, I'm getting that looked up, and I'm gonna be um, contacting Dr. Shine and Dr. Charles as well to um really tackle the problem. But um one thing I did um one thing I did really notice that helped me was the hyper ice um hyper the hyper ice gun um, massage gun. Um it really helps in terms of just loosening up the muscles. I used that um along with muscle cream. So before shows I put a little bit of muscle cream here to kind of heat up and okay, so you're at.
1: talking, you're you're motioning on the back of your neck this hyper ice yes. cream.
0: Yeah, there's a cream that okay. not hyper ice is um, by a company called Blackroll, and I'll send you okay. the a link to that as well.
1: And not to cut you off uh, midstream here, but that's exactly the thing that I've been dealing with for the last few years. Yes, and 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 Cheyenne helped me identify the back of the neck because I'm six foot two. I slouch all the time, and years that um, just impeding that that nerve. Uh, flow, blood flow, and all that stuff has affected my extremities in that way. So, yeah,
0: sorry. Absolutely. Exactly the same as me. Um, and especially, you know, just the way I set up my drums or used to set up my drums before, I was, set, I was sitting a lot lower. Um, so the angle in which I was sitting was kind of more of a night degree angle. I should have been sitting higher a little bit. My mm. um, snare drum a little bit lower, so I can properly get a full range of motion and that's that is something that um the pandemic kind of helped with in terms of you know adjusting myself and getting used to setting up a little bit different a little bit more um for one of a better term something that's more efficient for the way i
1: play yeah yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it, I think it's th- these are things that are really important to, to talk about. And um, yeah, please send me that link to that stuff. I um, absolutely. It, it's been an interesting journey, and uh, when your identity, your career, all these things are threatened there is a there is a an emotional and a mental component to this that uh also is a part of it that I, I, p- people maybe maybe are unaware of or don't talk about as much but we are so passionate about something like music and drumming that when it's yeah. threatened it can be ugh, it can be overwhelming
0: yeah absolutely and you know with the the job that we do it's like if you don't play you don't get paid it's, yeah. it's not like you know that we're athletes on a team where if you get injured you know, there's, there's there's still a check coming in, so yeah, um, there's that added pressure as well. It's like I, I've got to provide, I've got, a, I've got to play it. Yeah. So, um, I think that comes into play mentally as well, and that's a, probably a reason why, like I said, it is a taboo subject amongst dramas.
1: Yeah. Well, let me ask you a couple quick quick things before we move on on that. Um, so, you talked about this vibrating gun, uh, yeah. and then I saw something, and it looked like. Uh, wrapped something wrapped around your arm and it had like a little module or something there attached to it, it looked like a little yes. vintage iPod or something what was that yeah
0: it's called the Venom Go so i've actually um been fortunate enough to partner with Pipe S now so um i'm i'm able to use their products and through a discount code um JGH drums um anybody can get uh, 10% off their products um yeah. and that's Pre, that's ongoing so anyone who's listening you can use my discount code and get 10% off the product and I will say it does work it's great Um but yeah the thing I was using is the Venom Go so it's heat and vibrating technology so um again if you haven't got the cream you can use that you can place it anywhere on your body for yeah. um, 15 minutes Um there's an app that goes with it as well you can just heat it up and yeah it just heats up the muscles relaxes the muscles and you know relaxes the nerves around the muscles and it definitely aids in playing a little okay. bit more career
1: that's great i'm'm I'm, I'm definitely gonna look into that absolutely for sure um before a show what are you doing before a show uh with these things or with a practice pad how much are you warming up how how little are you warming them? What are you doing? Uh,
0: um, these days, I'm warming up a lot more. Um, obviously, in my early 20s, I would just get out and play. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm now entering my 30s. i have not awarded that luxury anymore. But um, <laughs> I'm warming up. I'm, I'm on a pad or if the room is big enough, um, I have a practice kit as well that I use with um, mesh heads and the uh, Belgian low-volume symbols. I can, you know, just go around the kit. Nothing too, too strenuous, but just get loose. Um, I went to a clinic with Dave Eilich and I did see him. I saw him skipping before the clinic. He wasn't actually playing. He was skipping. And I, sometimes I incorporate that just to get the blood flowing as well.
1: Um, oh, he was but, doing this in public so people could yeah, see it.
0: He was doing it. Um, I don't know man. if it was. Yeah, he was doing it just... <laughs> Just in eyesight of me, um, it was the DW50 event. So, um, I was able to kind of get backstage a little bit and see, um, what was going on. But yeah, I noticed that he, he was skipping instead of warming up on the pad. And I thought that was a great idea. So sometimes I'll do that, especially in festivals where there's not much space. Um, right. we haven't got a big enough dressing room or anything. So, um, I was doing that over over the summer in the festivals and, um, we're fortunate enough to have a physiotherapist on this tour. Oh. So, so sometimes, you know, I'll work with physiotherapists and get some, some treatment before shows as well, which is amazing.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah. man, thank you. Thanks for, you know, being, uh, just opening up with, uh, about all this stuff and, and that's, that's really great. Absolutely.
0: I mean, I've been wanting to for a while and I'm, I'm glad, um, I'm able to do it on this platform actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, dude, uh, it, in my research, I didn't come across any answers on where the name ginger came from.
0: Oh yeah. So ginger is a nickname I picked up in school. Um, my hair color is, is brown, which is not typical. And, um, Yeah, it's just a nickname I picked up in
1: school
0: that kind of stuck with me, and I kind of just turned it into um, my stage name. I guess
1: that's cool. Yeah,
0: I would show you my hair, but it's a mess right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're in Toronto right now, and um, but you're living in Nashville. I am, dude, and that's that's where uh, we first met, like over a year, a little over a year ago. Um, Yeah. I've been here for a while, but well, tell me about when you moved to Nashville and what's been your impression.
0: Um, We moved to Nashville, my wife and I um, literally a week before the pandemic started. So
1: I remember um, you telling me that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, it was definitely not what we expected because (laughs) (laughs) we basically moved straight into the house to stay in the house for two years. But um, now coming out of the pandemic in being around Nashville a lot more, um, I love it. Um, we was in Cleveland, Ohio before, which was great, but it wasn't enough music for us. where uh, my wife is a vocalist. Yeah. Um, she's working. Uh, she's amazing, by the way. Um, and you know, we both wanted to be around a little bit more industry when we're not touring, and you know, have the opportunity to be able to work, you know, when we're at our home base and nashville has definitely afforded both of us that opportunity and um just meeting people around nashville it's, it's been great you know um i've still got a lot more um out and to get out and you know i need to get out a little bit more and kind yeah. of meet people especially when i get back off tour but um from what i've seen of nashville um it's lovely the people are friendly and um the music is great um Big, obviously, a big country influence, which is a music music genre that I am a fan of and that I'm definitely interested in. Yeah. So, um, just hearing that side of of musicality as well is is fantastic, and it's really opened yeah. up my ears.
1: I think it's been interesting. So I've been here for 23 years, but I'm I'm originally well, from Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Okay and um you know like cleveland and so many other places around the world uh there's just incredible musicians to learn from and grow from and a lot of these places have like maybe a genre that they really excel at and yeah. uh, you know like jazz and punk was really big in columbus you know yeah. a little bit of reggae uh ironically in in yeah. columbus. but um not being familiar with country music uh, Or being a fan necessarily, it's been a uh, wonderful discovery to find out how much music and musicality there is in a genre that you may not be as interested in, and that kind of like rings true about many other genres. And it it's kind of you know reminds me to be open minded always. Uh, So and and you're man, you're coming to Nashville at a really wonderful time. There's yeah. a lot of people from around the world that are coming here and bringing their thing to it and the, yeah. their influences. So although country is still, you know, at its core, a part of a big part of this industry, there's so many other things about it um, that is that have been great. And hopefully that is to your benefit and to your wife's benefit. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Did you grow up in London?
0: I did. Um, okay. London born and bred. um and I spent basically my whole life in London until I got married in 2017. So, um, yeah, I grew up playing in church um, in, like, a local gospel scene in the UK and then transitioned into pop music at the age of 18. And, um, yeah, working in pop in the UK pop industry from the age of 18 up until this day,
1: yeah. Yeah. It, I think it, it really shows how naive I am, but I just, I, the idea of gospel and gospel music being a thing in England was a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, of course. Um, is that a common thing? I mean, for people um, to think?
0: Yeah, it is actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> when people, people, um, This is my confession. People don't really associate associate (laughs) gospel music. Obviously, they associate it heavily with America, which is its origin. But um, gospel music is very much worldwide and um, has influenced the world. So, you know, that's the music that we, um, as church growers, like of Caribbean and African descent in the UK, um, that's the music we gravitate to because it's uh, available on a worldwide market. Yeah. Um obviously there are, you know, our Caribbean influences and there's heavy African influences um in the UK gospel industry. But um yeah, at its core, we definitely, especially growing up for me in the nineties and the early 2000s, um, definitely took our cues from American gospel music and still to and still do to this day.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you, you mentioned that that influence and like Caribbean and, and, and African more so than the U.S. gospel music? Are um, you hearing it?
0: Alongside, alongside it. So okay. Obviously, um, in the U.K., a lot of uh, the black people came from the Caribbean or they come hmm. from Africa. So, um, like, and you know, I'm first generation British. My dad is from the Caribbean. Uh, so, you know, um, there's a heavy amount of influences from those countries um, in the music in the gospel music so there'll okay. be you know gospel with reggae um you know so there's a high or things yeah, like so that. Bro, all of that yep Afro yeah. beats. Um, it's, it's very much influenced
1: in the gospel music in the UK that's I love that that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, that's that's awesome. Um, is there anything unique that you learned about music or drumming in the church that you have found invaluable in your professional life now in the pop or like something that you learned in church that you're like, wow, if I didn't grow up in the church and do this, uh, I wouldn't have this skill.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> um, it's definitely uh, still That is a big part. Just, Mm. um, I was playing in church from I was three, four years old. So you know, being able to be afforded that um, opportunity to develop my feel and to develop, you know, relying and looking at bandmates and, you know, obviously pop is regimented, but things can happen. So you know, to be able to communicate and you know, like with your bandmates and get on one page, um. Some of those things are invaluable. And, you know, like I said, with UK music, um, there's a lot of influences. So playing different styles, um, Mm -hmm. definitely that was something I was able to do from a very young age.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that learning like Latin, different types of Latin styles and Afro-Cuban styles is just such an an amazing thing to discover as as a young drummer. And um, not only is does it challenge you in like independence ways and groove ways, but it's also super fun and you can do it by yourself. And there's that you know that element of it. I love that. Absolutely. I asked Des Davis this question in some form. How does your faith inform you in the way you navigate the industry? Um,
0: Des is my guy, by the way. Um, um, Yeah, faith definitely is is an integral part. It's the most important part of my life period. So taking that into uh, my career and how I navigate the industry... Um, I know that obviously my gift comes from God, first of all. And um, it it just gives me a certain level of gratitude every time I play now. You know, it's just knowing that I'm afforded this career uh, through the gift that God gave me. Um, There's a gratitude that exudes from me when I play. And, you know, being able to use my gift to change the course of someone's day is is like it's really powerful to me. So I take that into account when I play. Um, you know, if I can look outside, look out into the crowd, and someone is not in their head and they're dancing <laughs> because of what I'm doing, you know, yeah. that that is you know it's a spiritual experience. Uh, whether they they know it or not, uh, what I'm putting out there, um, you know, is making them want to move in a certain way, making them smile they might have walked in to the arena, not have, not have had the best day. And prayerfully, when they walk out, their mood has changed. Yeah. So, um, I take that into account and, you know, just trying to just try and be a light and a positive person as much as I can be when I'm around, you know, be um, likable and someone that, someone wants to be around. Um, sure. Bring peace to my bandmates and, the crew and you know the eyes and whoever i'm working with
1: yeah i mean we, we we talk about that a lot over the years of doing this podcast are just about personality and the 23 hours okay. you're around your bandmates compared yeah. to the one hour you're on stage and absolutely just being a good person being a good hang and you know those those things we've we've talked about ad nauseum and that's it's cool because it's really important. Some people still don't seem to get it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um but also, I, I guess, um, I'm also curious to know as you know, people discover your talent and discover your playing and want to work with you. How maybe you have to decide whether or not to put yourself in certain situations that um, don't align with your values
0: yeah absolutely um, in that situation yeah I mean you have to um, use your discernment in such certain situations and see if it's right for you and if you um, if you feel like you can handle it um, but sometimes you're put in certain situations to be the positive influence as well. That's true. So, um, you have to take that into account as well. And, you know, I know if you're ready for that, I'm ready for that responsibility to be the positive influence as well.
1: Yeah. No, that's a really great point. It's not like, well, I'll do this kind of gig, but not this kind of gig, but like maybe you're being called to be in this situation so that you can be the positive energy, the positive light and, um you know, elevate the situation in a way that only you uh, know how to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Make it better. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Through your actions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. you. It took me a long time to figure that out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're all human and, you know, it takes a while to to figure life out, but, um, you know, and it's a always a continuous journey. But oh you know, once you get once you get to that place and you know, you get settled within yourself. Um, you know, like i said, if you feel like you can handle it, then by all means don't just think, Okay, I, I can't do this because it doesn't align. But you might be assigned to that project because someone needs to align to you to how the the way yeah. you feel feel and the way you operate. Yeah. And the posit- positivity that you bring as
1: well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's great, man. Um tell me about like how you were spending your time before your first big gig and would you call VV Brown your first big gig?
0: Um I would call that um yeah it was my first I would say my first um uh, mainstream pop artist. Um, that afforded me um, TV opportunities and definite um, continuous touring experience. Before that, I was, you know, I was playing around different churches, playing at my home church uh, where my dad was was the pastor uh, back in the UK um, and then playing for different gospel artists. Um, I was doing, you know, some like one-off TV stuff and, you know, kind of just getting my feet wet in the industry. Um, but when I got VV Brown, that was definitely like, okay, this is my job now. I'm touring consistently, and um, yeah, my career just it it progressed from there.
1: Right, and not that not that you weren't treating your other gigs professionally, but yeah. um, there is something about being put in a scenario where uh, again, TV, uh, being on the road constantly, sharing yeah. a tour bus, um, yeah. playing for a big arena is a different like there's just a different set of responsibilities that go along with some yeah, of these absolutely. things. And you have to be able to manage um, the gig, the songs, the technology, all those things. And I'm, I'm curious to know kind of if if that was your goal, that was your mission. And, and if during these church gigs you were putting yourself in a scenario and you're like, okay, the church didn't ask me to run SBDX, but I'm going to do it anyways, because this is where I see myself going or I want to make sure I get my ear rig rocking and get this kind of feel going. So does any of that apply?
0: Yes. Um, I think when I was 14, um, my sister bought me an NPC. So um, that was my like, sister, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, that was a kind of groundbreaking piece of gear for me. It just afforded me um, the time to get used to playing to click. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's something that is integral, obviously, in, in most modern pop music. Um, you're playing with Pro Tools tracks. Or you're playing to some sort of sequence of so um from you know from fourteen to eighteen, I was just practicing to click and getting used to click and you know, okay, can I do that? And I'm coming in on the one. Um yeah. yeah. And it and it doesn't feel rushed and it doesn't feel sloppy. Um so that was definitely something that I would bring to gigs as well, you know, program loop and you know, put them in services sometimes and you know was able to practice and and get better with playing to click and yeah this is a, that was something that I definitely saw myself doing once mm-hmm. I figured out I could do this as a job I was like yeah you know okay so I gotta learn how to play to click and I remember the first time I did it um I was shaky. so I was like okay this is something I have to practice so yeah
1: yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I the reason I, I I bring that up is um, I think there's times when you're doing a gig that maybe just maybe a low level gig or something super casual, and you're kind of putting yourself in this scenario or like I just need to shed this concept yeah. for the gig that I'm looking for for Absolutely. or for the gig that I'm doing maybe more part time or whatever. But the, the idea is that we can only practice so much in the practice room. Yeah. And to put yourself in and, and uh, i wish i could remember his name he's been a guest on an amazing amazing drummer but like don't get good at practicing get good at performing yeah. and so using a performance as not not abusing the the situation yeah. but using a gig or a performance as an opportunity to like shed certain concepts that that will prepare you for that maybe one opportunity you have uh, at that audition or that, you know, weekend run with the artist that you really want to be working with, or maybe a session like, man, I've been shedding with the click. So when I do that session, that high pressure situation, it's, it's, that's the least of my worries is playing to a click.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's important. Uh, A good friend of mine, um, says that, you know, everything we do is to audition for the next thing, whether oh we gosh. know it or not. So, you know, we're always in in aid of trying to progress, you know, if we you know, we should be thinking about, okay, now what how can I reign uh reign in these this skill set or add a new skill set to take me to that next level or to prepare me for the next thing, whatever it will be. Yeah. So I'm t- yeah, I'm totally in agreement with that. It's, you know, using certain situations where you can to shed new concepts or to, you know, create new sounds or, you know, use a new piece of gear that you wasn't using before. Right. And, like, to get familiar with that piece of gear, not just use it and, you know, your tech knows it and you don't, um, to get familiar with with gear yourself and know what's coming out and know what you can maybe incorporate into yourself moving forward or
1: yeah things
0: like
1: that yeah i i would also propose there's there's probably times to deconstruct some of that stuff and be able to get back to your roots can you play without a click can you play without all the fancy stuff yeah you know just make sure that you're you're not using this as a crutch so like you know, uh, so I, I know I'm probably talking two sides out of my out of two sides of my mouth, but really the idea is like, can you cover this wide range? Um, because even though, um, you know, maybe somebody's got a, a really great big arena gig, yes. they still are going to do other kinds of gigs, and it's going to require really shitty backline or absolutely,
0: <laughs> and and those gigs, you know. Like, they're actually great, you know. They they humble you, uh, so to speak, but, you know, it kind of does bring you back to why you started playing in the first place
1: as well. Almost a year ago, I did a gig, and it was like... I'm used to running ears on almost everything, even local gigs. I'm running ears yeah. and got really nice mixes and stuff. And then yeah. I played a club and there's just like a couple little wedges out in the front of the singers and I my cymbals were too loud, my snare was tuned too loud, everything. It took me like half the gig to adjust. I'm like, what am I doing? Like yes. I have to like know how to play to these different rooms. Absolutely. And, and, and kind of just, it could be just like getting your head in the right space, but that was a really good reminder. Uh, and once I made that adjustment, it was a lot of fun and I I was able to like rediscover over time, uh, sometimes these nuances and musicality that you play when you don't have all the bells and whistles at your disposal, you know? Yeah,
0: literally, um. We was in Montreux for the Montreal Jazz Festival, and uh, the band just got up for the jam night, and just playing, just playing freely without the click. I was like, okay, I can do a little bit more here, and I can, you know, accentuate, like, raise my ghost notes a little bit here. Well, it was a smaller room, so I'm like, okay, I can't play like I'm playing out in an arena, so I've got to work with, like think about my dynamics as well. So just certain situations like that, even if it was for like. You know, ten fifteen minutes that jam that it reactivates your brain in a different way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really amazing, and and we see these players that really just do such a wonderful job you know, on these tours and 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 large arena tours and stuff like that. But uh, can they play small rooms? You know, yeah. can they play those jams and, and different things yeah. like that? Yeah.
0: yeah, and it's it's, it's it, is, it is an adjustment, uh, yeah. even playing locally in Nashville a couple of times. But I have. Um, thinking about that because I'm used to just you know I'm playing for the person at the back of the room, but the person at the back of the room is a lot closer <laughs> in <laughs> smaller room, to yeah. Yeah. so uh, <laughs> you got to think about that.
1: So Sam Smith, holy shit, that's what a great gig, man. Yeah, um, and you've that's been nice. doing it for a while, haven't you?
0: Yeah, um, I'm entering my sixth year, well, I'm finishing the sixth year, um. In this month actually entering the third year so uh, yeah it's been a blessing to be on a gig on this side for this month
1: yeah and and I heard that the uh there was a chance meeting of of somebody in the Sam Smith camp that turned out turned into the gig for you could you tell, yeah. me, tell us about that
0: yeah literally I was um I just got married I was finishing up a tour with a UK artist named Ollie Merck and um, we were doing some summer dates and I was literally on the day off I was on the way to get a tattoo um and the way the trains were working there was a delay so I got off the train and I met the MD at the station when I was walking to get another train and um yeah like it was literally that was was only God that that it could have happened like that and um Yeah, a few weeks later, I got home um, from that tour. And like literally the day after I got home, I got a call to audition. So I had to go back to London um, a week later and audition for the gig. Wow. And yeah, six years later, I'm still here. So (laughs) (laughs) I did something right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, we, we talk, we've we talked about this recently that, like, auditions or some auditions in the style of, like, a cattle call. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's a UK term as often as... Uh, um, I
0: don't think good. so. No, probably. On it. I, like, I like it.
1: <laughs> we have a lot of cattle in this country, <laughs> um, mostly for the slaughter. Yeah. Um, But it's the idea that, you know, when I first moved to Nashville, you it wouldn't be uncommon to have an artist have what they call a cattle call for drummers. And it would be like 20 or 30 drummers and they would just kind of just run them through the mill. Yeah. Even even Vinny's gig getting it with with Zappa was like that was like what, one hundred and or so or 200 drummers like all just kind of going through, going through so that was the ultimate one of the ultimate cattle calls tell me about your audition with Sam was it like that? were there just a few drummers? were you by yourself? and Um, what was required? how many songs?
0: by the time I got there I think it was between me and one other drummer Okay, and I had to play two songs it was I'm not the only one and like I can. And um, because I was familiar with Sam's music, I was you know I was able to to play it and know some of the live arrangements as well. So
1: oh wow. okay
0: yeah. Um, so it was it, it did help um, knowing um, how Sam did their live arrangements. And I think that kind of helped with my audition.
1: And was there a kit there and did you?
0: Yeah, you, it was just okay. a, it was a backline DW kit actually. And I, I wasn't with DW at the time yet, but I guess it was a sign of things to come. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was just a backline kit. I think it was 12 or 13 inch right tom, 16 inch short right tom. And um had the choice of snares um, and just, yeah, just, a uh, couple of symbols. I think two crashes and a ride.
1: Hats, and just got on with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go. Just get on with it, man. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Just and put you? My you, you in d- and do it. Yeah. Did you do more than just those two songs? Did they ask anything else of you?
0: Um, it was just those two songs. Okay. Uh, they didn't, didn't ask me to play by myself or anything. Um, Simon so kind of knew me, and a lot of the I knew a lot of the band members before prior anyway. they kind of knew my work and um so that helped as well um so i didn't have to play outside of just playing the songs and to see if i fit you know the band and my playing fit the song it's
1: it sounds like it's just kind of in the middle of of uh like a full-on audition for somebody they didn't know and getting a gig just based on word of mouth to say hey Uh, I recommend you. You've got the gig if you want it. Um, they yeah. just wanted you to come in and just like two songs was enough. And like, yeah, yeah. We, we know him. We know his work with these other artists. We've seen him play. Can yeah. he do this? Yep, cool. And yeah. you know, it's funny. You hear people. You can hear within like ten seconds what they do. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious to know about your your touring rig and. Yeah. And if you can, we're not like a real gear heavy podcast, but I'm really curious to know, kind of tying in what we were talking about before with people preparing for the gig they want, preparing yeah. for the gig they, they want to have by yeah. um, familiarizing themselves with the type of touring rig in the 21st century. And uh, I feel like you've, you've got that, you know, the starship ginger Hamilton.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, uh, a spaceship and it's kind of, kind of got smaller. I mean, I had a, I had four toms and a gong drum on the last floor, but I'm, I'm down to like three toms with a hybrid gong floor, um, okay. on this one. Um, using three snares. Um, I switched to a metal snare for this tour um, because the music is a lot more poppy than it was on the last tour. Um, A big ballad snare to my left and a 10 by 4 just tuned up to the sky. Um, (laughs) Heavily triggered as well for some of the pop um, and Trap Influenced songs um, like Unholy, How Do You Sleep, and um, Perfect. Um, yeah, because Sam's music, they have a wide range of of music. You know, it yeah. ranges across different styles. So um, I have to be conscious of that when I set up my drums. And I kind of have the drums not just out of um, just wanting to indulge in having a big setup. It's kind of all needed as well okay because there's so many different textures you know we start with uh Stay With Me I'm not the only one and like I can and then by the end of the set we're doing Unholy which is a completely different genre to okay. what we started so um it calls for quite a wide range of sound and um a wide range of drums um which I love um on with DW um I'm using a maple mahogany on this. Nice on this, on this tour, and it's it's beautiful. It sounds beautiful. It looks beautiful. Um, it's all gold on this tour, so uh, I'm able to get all gold stands as well. Um,
1: was that your picture yeah. on Instagram? I said, "Whose drum set is this?" It, it was. Yeah, I mean, I wonder about that. <laughs> I was like, I wonder, but the kit looks smaller than the pictures I had seen before. Yeah. That's crazy. I thought it was yours. Well, um, was there kind of an evolution of the of the setup, or when you were preparing for the tour? I mean, I really you've been doing this for you know almost seven years now. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it evolved, and you kind of like know going into the next tour. Here's the songs we're doing, everyone. Yeah. Like, okay, I need to map out what it is I need, what it is I don't need, because I can imagine what you're saying is. I've got all these drums, but for this song, I'm using these three. Yeah. song, I'm using all of them. For this song, I'm yes. using this one. Absolutely. So, I
0: mean, for this tour, my, my rack toms are smaller than they were on the first tour. I used 12, 13, um, rack toms on the first tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 16, 18 floor tom and a gong drum. So, on this tour, I'm using 10, 12, 16, and then the 18 inch floor, which is, like a hybrid floor yes yeah. Um, so yeah, going into this tour, I was like, okay, it's a lot more poppy than it is kind of, you know, middle of the road soul R&B. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. so it called for higher drums. It called for a different skin as well. I went from, from using the black suede Emperor's on my tongue. I'm now using the color tone Emperor's, um, they're a bit brighter. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, everything's a little bit brighter on the tour. These are okay. my symbols. I'm using, you know, A Customs as my main crush. Um, you know, and I was using K Customs before. Oh, okay. So, yeah, everything's just a bit more brighter. I have to cut through to make it a little bit more.
1: Where does that decision come into play? Like, is that just you deciding that? Is that with, in tandem with an MD or your tech or?
0: Yeah, I think it's in tandem with, um, it's, I think, first of all, it's kind of my concept of what sound that I want to bring to the tour. And then, you know, I liaise with the MD, liaise okay. with the front of house guy as well, um, who have their input. And I'm I'm open to suggestions, definitely.
1: Yeah. Now, that's fascinating. and And I'm sure that's an element of your personality and your work ethic that just adds to the value you, you you bring to Sam and that whole camp is like... Yeah. I mean, and, and it probably extends... We think about guitar players with all their pedals and effects and, you know, deciding what they want to do for every song and, yeah. you know, different things like that. And there's no reason why we can't apply that same care, you know. Absolutely. That's amazing.
0: Uh, yeah, sound is... For me, sound is... I would say it's more than half the battle you can get
1: um, looks, looks are a close second it sounds like
0: yeah <laughs> yeah looks are definitely a close <laughs> second especially in pop music but yeah. um, sound is um, sound is definitely um, half the battle you can get it sounding great at source then you know front of house guy has less work to do right um, monica right. guy has less work to do um, you know and you know your bandmates are happier too
1: so, that's true you
0: know, that's they true. got a good sounding kit to play play with so um, if you can get um if you can get a sounding great at source um then definitely strive for that um and slightly off subject well going back to what your original question was um in terms of the evolution of my setup um, electronic wise yeah um <clears throat> I went from using two s p d um, SXs to now I'm using the t d fifty um which is such a big elevation, um, okay. in my opinion, to to the setup, um, being able to just separate the outputs. You know, um, I'm running 14 different outputs in terms of um, triggers and pads. Okay. So just being able to separate that into like eight different outputs. And then, you know, you can send your claps are not coming out the same output as effect sounds. You can separate all of that. It just gives so much more leeway for the front of house guy and the monitor guy to kind of um, incorporate that into the mixes um, in the in and front of house.
1: Right, right. Because, uh, yeah, if, if they've got one fader running your electronics or whatever, or samples or things like that, there's yeah. going to be... And and that's a really important thing to to wrap your head around. And 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 going back to like maybe the uh, low level or medium level type gigs that we all do, uh, yeah. see those as opportunities to like, how do I adjust my levels so that my triggers are you know the same you know or whatever they're yeah. they're they're. That works well with the type of music that I'm playing. or The song Absolutely. that I'm playing, yeah, I've Absolutely. I've dealt with that too. And it, and if you have the luxury of being able to send each individual, which it sounds like you are, then and yeah. there's more control and more musicality and consistency.
0: Absolutely, and in fact, even just in terms of um, sonically as well, and you know, you can mm. EQ things differently Oh wow. Yeah. yeah, you know, if it's not just the stereo out for claps and um, snares and. A, stereo out for kicks you know there's a, there's another stereo out for effects so they can EQ the effect totally different keep the snares EQ'd a certain way and keep the kicks EQ'd a certain way as well
1: good lord yeah it's a lot that's a, that's a yeah. lot I think being able to familiarize yourself with that is is now it's a, it's a part of it's a part of the thing you know Absolutely. you gotta got know how to do that yeah yeah, it's just as important as as, as everything else, and uh, it's so funny because I, I work with people that will have maybe three songs out of twelve or fifteen that have tracks or something yeah. like that, and which is great, but it's always this uh, struggle with how do we run this so that the tracks just don't, don't just don't come out screaming yeah. on these three songs, and everybody's going to be like, "Whoa, you you want to make it so it like it elevates the song." but it's not distracting in the mix. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember doing a tour like that with um, Leanne Le And, um, you know, the tracks were coming in and out. It was like only tracks in the chorus or, you know, the verses were totally live just with click. And so there are certain situations that, you know, you have to find that that balance in terms of, you know, let's keep it. Kind of consistency and create a nice
1: little synergy. Right, right, right. Just so you, you're not uh, destroying the illusion or or distracting the audience. Exactly. It's some sort of like <laughs> yeah. jumping out of nowhere. Let me ask you about um, mentorship. Yeah, that's um, that's something that I don't know is is put into practice as much. But I'm curious to know if you had mentors or a mentor. Growing up,
0: um, yeah, definitely um, had a few mentors um, on the drum side. Um, definitely, the drummer by the name of Gareth Brown uh, mm-hmm. is the first name that screams up to me when you when you mentioned that word. Um, he kind of took me in under his wing uh, about age fifteen. He saw my potential, and um, you know, he kind of just begin to steer me in the right direction yeah in terms of okay if you're going to be playing pop music you don't have to do so much you know there's a time and a place for those chops and you know you already saw that I had the potential to have a great groove so he's like focusing on that and yeah and then um you know mentorship in terms of musicians uh, the MD by the name of Kojo Samuel, who I worked with a lot, um, with Jesse J. um, you know, someone that I'm, you know, still in contact with this, to this day in terms of like, just focusing on like the sonic side of music. And, you know, like I was saying, in terms of electronics and making sure things are EQ'd and knowing my gear, reading the manual, not just getting the gear. And just trying to figure it out in rehearsals, read the manual before you get to rehearsals, know the gear. Yeah. And, you know, so we were able to do things efficiently. Um, when we're in rehearsals and on gig situations, stuff like that, um, I was able to learn working with him and, and being under his mentorship. So, um, you know, those, um, those are the two names, um, that scream at me when well, yeah. he- when you say, uh, mentorships and obviously there's been, you know, a lot of people that have deposited great information, um, into me, even to this day, you know, um, but yeah, those are the two names I would say.
1: Right. I, I, I remember seeing Gareth's name come up, you know, often. And, and how did you guys meet or wh- what, what makes him such a strong influence E- um, aside from being a mentor but also as an influence
0: um, as an influence just um, his playing his work effort um, um, and the fact that he he can work in every situation and that's something that I wanted to be able to do I didn't want to be um, typecasted so to speak as a certain type of drummer I want to be known as a drummer that can play anything so yeah um, you know someone that could sit in in a situation and it will sound authentic and if it doesn't sound authentic yet it will um, because I'm going to work hard at making sure that it does I want to be known as as that guy that's not just you know he only does um, gospel or he only does pop or he only does this so that's that's something that I saw about Gareth Um, you know and he's he's able to to thrive in different situations uh, musically. And I think that's, that's something that, that stood out to me as a player and as a person as well.
1: I wonder if living in Nashville is going to, you know, if those opportunities are going to be presented to just kind of be able to play outside of what people know you as.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, yeah, Through I mean, through Des, um I was able to, to do... The the CMT crossroads with Mickey Guyton. Um, yeah, he, I saw that. Yeah, and you know, just being able to sit in on a country situation and mm-hmm. kind of play that music, um, yeah, it's great. It's something that that I would love to explore um, at a deeper level, definitely. And, and it's interesting. I did it, adjust it.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if there's that much adjust. I mean. You know, like modern country in a sense. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, pop elements to it. Absolutely. For sure, you know. Yeah. There's been some other projects you've worked on, uh, whether yeah. it was a clothing line, um, a, a writer program, stuff like that. How, are you still working on that stuff? What's going on with that? Yes,
0: absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm glad you asked that. Um, my clothing line uh, that will be relaunching very, very soon is okay. called Drum and Drama. Drum and and um yeah, it's just um it's a lifestyle clothing brand that will aim to just give drummers an opportunity to express ourselves fashionably and you know, not just in just both standard wearing your favorite drum brand t shirt, but you wearing um clothes that will create a conversation and be like, Okay, oh that's nice. Oh yeah, I'm a drummer. This is what I do, this is what I love. Yeah. And um, you know, um, I like the idea of, you know, you're able to get your favorite sports team jersey, you're able to get a t shirt of your favorite, you know, superhero. And, you know, drum is an ever-growing community. Um so I would like to afford drummers the opportunity to express their love. Of the greatest instruments in the world, <laughs> um, yeah, man, and, yeah, just in a fashionable way. So definitely, um, towards the end of this year, we're going to be relaunching and um, going to be bringing some stuff out, which I'm excited Drum about. Yeah. Drum and
1: drummer, yeah, drummer, okay, yeah. Uh, do you is there a website up there yet? Yeah, there is a website. We still have some clothes out. Um,
0: if you go to drumanddrummer.com, I'll. The spelling is different to how it's print out but I will give you the link for that
1: send Uh, me the link and we'll put it in the show notes and people can link onto that as well as your website yeah absolutely and then and then you had this digital rider
0: yeah so part of um, of drum and drummer you know just being able to have your your drum rider um, digitally um, with pictures um, and the itemized breakdown of your gear um, able to provide that So, you know, you can give it to your tech, um, or you can give it to a backline company to show them exactly what you want and exactly where you want things and uh, exactly how you want things to look. So if you, you know, if you work for a band that, you know, you know, you want a black drum kit most of the time you can specify that on the writer. Um, and that will be something that hopefully the backline company will listen to. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) You know and yeah it just leaves less guesswork for you know if you have a drum tech they can see okay they want these things placed here and then less guesswork for them and less fine-tuning for the drummer
1: yeah and i've seen these writers they're they're just they're so detailed and brilliant as far as like giving you. you the cons giving you giving anybody the idea of exactly what they want the brand is showing, the car yes. is showing, all those things. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and it's it's been great. Um I've been able to do some for some fantastic drummers. Terrence Clark, um He's a Trevor hack. Lawrence. Yeah. Um Trevor Lawrence, I was able to do one for his Super Bowl setup, which was crazy. Oh cool. um, Garrison Brown as well, who plays for Alicia Keys. Oh. I was able to do one for his setup. So um yeah, it's been great. And um yeah, I've been able to do one for um Howard Brown as well, who works with Maverick City Music. So mm. some 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 of my good friends and, you know, some big names in the industry have supported me, which has been great.
1: Yeah. What's the rest of your tour like right now? What's it look like?
0: Um, the rest of the tour so we're like you said, we're in Toronto right now. Um kind of finishing up the east coast. Um, we're gonna move into the Central. We're going into uh, we do Toronto, Montreal. Then we head down to Chicago, um, going into like Utah and Minnesota, um, and then we head west. Um, we finish up the U.S. leg in September, mm. mid-September, and then we head to Asia and Australia oh uh, for the end of the year. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, early November we finish up for the year.
1: Okay, holy cow, man! Oh, be safe. You are in one of my favorite spots. I love Canada. Yeah. And are you playing out west amazing. in Canada, like British Columbia, anywhere? Do you know?
0: Uh, we're in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know if it's one or two nights in Vancouver, but we'll definitely be in Vancouver. Okay. Like, um, later on this month.
1: Yeah, I hope you get a chance to get out and just breathe the air.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Man, John, thank you so much uh, for hanging with us and, and talking. It's It's been a pleasure, and, and I'm I'm glad you're in town. Uh am, oh, man. Awesome. I, hope, I hope to see you.
0: So, yeah, I hope to see you soon. Uh, let's meet for a coffee when I get back.
1: That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Maybe we'll rope Des into that. Uh, we keep yeah. starting to do that, too.
0: Yeah. So, well, me and Des can take you to a uh, Caribbean spot that we go to.
1: He mentioned that.
0: Yeah, you got to try it. It's
1: okay. Incredible. Uh, man that would be amazing it would be all, on on me man on me yeah uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> <Yes, sir. laughs> all right I'm gonna let you go be well all right my guy have a take good day take care thank all you right. for having me sure man we'll see you take care bye so there you go my conversation with John Ginger Hamilton if you find out that Sam Smith is coming close to you I would encourage you to go check them out Uh, John is just an amazing player and would just be so great to see live. But uh, we so appreciate him just sharing his story with us. And, you know, best of luck for his time here in Nashville. I think he'll do great. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Mike Dillon. Mike is primarily a vibraphonist, but... Also a drummer and percussionist who's toured with Ani DeFranco, Leah Claypool. He splits his time between Kansas City and New Orleans and has played with so many different people, including Johnny Badakovich. Zach describes him as a bit of a mad scientist, so I'm really looking forward to checking that out, and I encourage you to do the same. But for now, everyone, thanks so much for listening and to keep in touch and hope to see you around. Bye-bye.